security came in the middle of the night, they were like, look, we've got intelligence that there's £21,000 hit on your head. It was all about the ideology. And, you know, you could question ideology. We have freedom of speech. We have freedom to insult. We have freedom to criticise. You know, this is my freedom, my God-given right. And now you're saying to me, I can't use that. So which one is it? I noticed, especially with my involvement in the English Defence League, the amount of people of different minorities did come into the English Defence League. You started having like a seat division turn yep. up, you, and then you had Hindus turn up, and I think there was some Chinese lads that turned up. When I get there, I know that they're going to ask me, you need any help? The minute they do that, bam, I latch on like a pit bull. Now I've got them where I want them. You know? I'm racist. I'm homophobic. Yeah. I wet the bed. Yeah. And I'll kill anyone you've you see. Oh, I go with my life. Someone's going to cut that, aren't they? I'm yeah. racist. I'm homophobic. <laughs> yeah. It's gonna be cut. yeah. The role that we did play was absolutely important. It, it was a spark that lit a fire that went worldwide. There were, there were divisional leagues all over the all over the world that grew from. Well, what, it, went what from we it, built. Went, it went from people whispering about Islam to screaming about. When, when, when I went on the run, uh, the judge had put in an order to live cell site me. Not to cell site me, to live cell site me. Now the technology for live cell sighting, and then it was quite, you know, it was out there, it's how they catch terrorists. You know what I mean? That through a number from a phone, they can track in via satellite or however they do it and pinpoint you down to GPS location. The mountain came to Mohammed. <laughs> I said, well, the mountain's on the way, but on it are the members of the EDL. <laughs> and then, oi, boom, <laughs> mic drop. Information covered up, censorship, corruption. The mainstream media have proven itself to be untrustworthy. I'm here to give a platform for debate, for truth, for open discussion. I'm introducing you to my podcast, Silenced with Tommy Robinson. Exactly is Tommy Robinson or Stephen Gatsby Lane with the English Defence League, The problem is with Islamic radio. English far right Islamophobic activism. Since then, there's been organised protests across the country in London, Manchester, Leeds. People in their thousands are marching for the streets. There is no such thing in this country as a Muslim free Tommy Robinson. A once prominent member of the English Defence League, Gurumit Singh, or Amit to his friends, has certainly lived an interesting life. Amit was part of the English Defence League leadership and spoke on many occasions at prominent demonstrations. Certainly not a face or a voice the media would often show. He certainly did not fit the mould or the narrative of the so-called far-right white English racists. A friend to me and a proud Englishman, Amit is a self-confessed businessman with a substantial portfolio in property. From his upbringing in Nottingham, being on the run and a long prison sentence, this has certainly shaped him in his beliefs around religion, faith and nationality. A strong family man, he has certainly lived an interesting life to get to where he is now. I'm happy to be able to discuss this with him today on my podcast. I introduce to you Menacing Singh from the EDL. Welcome to our latest episode of Silence with Tommy Robinson. Thank you for having me, it's been a while. Before we start, I do want to say I've got to congratulate you because in the space of a few months, you've gone from doing podcasts with Derek the Dickhead Diablo to Gurmit Bloody Singh. <laughs> a round of applause for Tommy, everyone, you know what I mean? <laughs> Good on you, lad. I always knew you had it in you. <laughs> I've made it. <laughs> Mum, I've made it. <laughs> the purpose of these podcasts is to meet interesting and, and colourful characters and Mr Singh. And then you chose me as you well. You certainly <laughs> fit into that. Where should we start with this? For Been those... a while, hasn't it? <laughs> we go back a fair while now. We were partners in crime. Damn right, yeah, 100%. From the very start, really. 
Mm. Menacing Singh yes. from the EDL, the yeah. English Defence League. That was yeah. your that's your, that was your name. That's My what, name's Tommy Robinson. Yeah. You were Menacing Singh. That's what the son named me. It's not some it's not a name I'd probably choose for myself because it's something that your family are gonna look at when they pick up the Evening Post or the Sun or something, you know what I mean? But yeah, I suppose I do wear that title with a bit of pride, you know what I mean? I'll give it that. All my EDL t-shirts have got Medicine Sing on the back, so yeah, <laughs> I'll still remember it. You're the only person that still calls it that. Usually when you say a word like that, you think of some bloke running down the street with a big bloody sword in his hand or something, but you know, little old Amit from Nottingham, I'll, I'll take it as it comes. So yeah. who, who is Amit from Nottingham? Amit. When, let's start before the English Defence League. Mm. Before we become friends, before we met, yeah, yeah. Who's Amit yeah. from Not- Nottingham? Just a normal lad, grew up in Nottingham. You know what I mean? Both parents are Sikh Punjabi. Dad was dad was born here. Mum was born in India. Parents come over. Grandparents came over in the early as the first wave of immigrants to Sikhs into this country. As you know, the Sikh people, we've got tight bloodlines to Great Britain. It goes back years to days of Maharaj Dalip Singh. So the profound mutual respect between both, both cultures are always there. You know what I mean? Unlike other. South Asian religions, as we very well know of, you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I grew up Nottingham, nice, decent family, you know what I mean? You can't knock them. Maybe I didn't turn out as pretty and proper as they wanted me to, but that's but just I, the way things are, you know what I mean? But I think I, you, you was, because you were successful when we started the English Defence. Yeah, you know, you know what? Back in the day, my first business was a rave business. I used to organise UK garage raves. There was ups, there was downs. You can't control that sort of environment, you know what I mean? So then I got into a bit of property with one of my uncles, do a bit of development. Same with that, ups and downs. There was, and then I had a pub that was the same, ups and downs. You know what I mean? It's just life for you. You know what I mean? But you learn from it. You learn from your failures, and I think that's why I'm sitting here with you in a villa in the middle of Spain. You know what I mean? Right now. So yeah, <laughs> we've learned along the way. You know what I mean? But that's how everything is in life. But yeah, it's not too bad. You know what I mean? Did all right at school. Could have done better. Same as everything. Kind of a similar story to yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like the white menacing thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh mate, so what 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 brought you to the English Defence League? Explain you know, your side of the story. You, you know you, you know what brought me to the English Defence League? There was a, my mate, um I'm not gonna mention names of my acquaintances and stuff on here because I probably won't they probably won't like that. But there was a geezer that I knew in Nottingham, he was a pawnbroker, and he had um a partner that was a Pakistani Muslim and I was in his shop one time and then uh, he started Googling EDL, never heard of it. And then at, the, at that time, EDL was kind of small, you know what I mean? It wasn't what it was. It wasn't the force that, well, where we were properly involved together. It wasn't at that level. And then when, I was, when he was reading it out to me, I thought, this all makes perfect fucking sense. <laughs> I was like, I thought, because, you know, there's always been grievances. You know, people want, may want to try and brush it under the carpet or say what they want to do or um, try and make peace and build bridges. But there's always been grievances between the Sikh community and the Pakistani community. That goes back from the birth of Sikhism because they've terrorised our people for that long. And even in this country, you know, um, it's been happening for years. So I'm fully aware of all these grievances and the issues that militant Muslims and Islam as a whole does cause on environments and communities all around the world. So what, whatever, what, what, was, what, what he was reading out on that uh, website, on the website that you guys had made at the time, made perfect sense to me. Now, when I started, it, it was a time I was never into social media or anything. So then I started going onto Facebook, linking up with some people. And it was Gary from Hayes that actually got me to you. And then when we sat down and started talking, next minute, you know, you've got a bunch of us running the whole thing. I mean, I was organising the demos for the EDL, wasn't I? You know what I mean? I was you, was a leader. To... you was one of the leaders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a few of us got together and we smashed it together and we really blew it out of the park. And I think 
with me being, I mean, I think this is completely racist when, when Muslims look at me and call me a token because just because I'm a man of colour or religion, why can't I be a part of something that's against such a militant threat against our people, the people mm. of this country? So, yeah, so I think I brought a different idea to it, you know what I mean? You brought an important idea at the, at the very start. I stirred of a lot of pots with my presence, I know that. 100%. Which was needed. Yeah, 100%. Within the organisation yeah. itself, yeah? Yeah, 100%. I, I, I pissed off a lot of people that we were against just the fact that I was being there because it completely blew their argument of racism and nobody supports you apart. I was one of the few people to stand up at the first of a man of colour, of, of a different religion, to what you typically see in an English Defence demonstration, complete that, completely blow their ideology out of the window that we're all racist and we're all just white skinheads. You know what I mean? I'm a Sikh man from Nottingham, I'm bold because I'm follically challenged, I don't choose to save it. But you know, but, and then others started coming through, you know? Others started coming through. Well, in it? fact, we have a great Sikh, a great relationship with Sikhs in the UK. 100%, yeah. Which yeah. I'd say stem from your involvement. 100%. You, you, like all sort of cultures, you're always going to have that left-wing minority. I mean, there was that group from London that, you know, turning up with placards with my name on and sending letters out to good, um, good violence and stuff. But uh, within the Sikh community, 100%, there's majority of supporters for the English Defence League. I can admit that, you know what I mean? Maybe not in... Public, because you know when it comes to supporting these sort of organisations, people lose their job, they get vilified for it, but there'd always be a little wink and a handshake and crack what on, lads, you know what I mean? What do you think of the, the importance of the job that not just you done, but we done, yeah. in educating many uneducated British populations across our country who don't understand the difference between Sikhs yeah. and Muslims. 100%. I mean, what I notice throughout the country, and I've always known this, when I, when I, whenever I'm in the West Midlands, uh, Birmingham, black country, they can kind of pick you out straight away. You know what I mean? That's a Sikh, Same that's a Muslim. Yeah, 100%. Luton, I see it a lot. Many other places, they always ask you the question, are you a Sikh or are you a Muslim? I can tell a man from a mile away. You know what I mean? But, you know, but that is educating people, 100%. But I think the main education, what we did, was explaining the true mess of Islam to the people and making people realise completely what they're against and the fact that you are allowed to speak up against it. Before the English Defence League, nobody ever publicly criticised Islam or some of the militant Muslims because they were too scared for that they'd get vilified by government, councils, their job or anything. English Defence League was one of them points where we literally lit a fire and it went worldwide and then you could have individuals standing on stages calling Mohammed precisely what he was. You know. Just so, so we can get to there, yeah? Because I had never stood in the streets and defamed, and defamed Mohammed, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm leading the English Defence League, and I didn't want to. I was thinking, man, they're going to kill you for that. And you gave a speech. Do you remember the speech? There was a speech in Peterborough. I thought it was an important time. You know what? It was one of them times in my life where it's something, like I said, throughout your life, you make mistakes and you learn. And I do, sometimes, I was under so much pressure. There was Muslims trying to attack my house. You know, there was Muslims ringing up my family saying they're going to rape them. You know, it, I was getting crazy death threats left, right and centre. There's no help in that house apart from me and my Rottweiler and a few friends that I've got around us. And then, you know, and then that demonstration come. It was a Peterborough demonstration that we organised. And obviously, you know, the, the truth about Islam is the truth of the facts that we were actually knowledge the people about. One of them was the fact that the Prophet Muhammad was a pedophile, you know, you know, you know, he was a rapist, you know, that's the truth about it. And I thought it was time that somebody stood on the stage and somebody said it publicly. And yeah, that went down well. <laughs> <laughs>
yeah. And on the top of the ma- mountain, Mohammed. Yeah, it? that was a, that, that, that that was another one because obviously the mount the the, the, the scripture says that the mountain came the, the, the ma- mountain came to Mohammed. <laughs> I said, well, the mountain's on the way, but on it are the members of the EDL. And then, oi, boom, mic drop out of here. Cambridge police, come on, you're coming with us. The Cambridge police did give it up. Cambridge police came round to my house a couple of days later. For that speech. They arrested me. Yeah, yeah, they arrested me. Took me to uh, Cambridge police drove up. Cause oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, Cambridge police came up. Uh, they arrested me at the house. I was living up in Gedlin. Um, they nicked me. They nicked all the uh, laptops and stuff like that that were in the house. None of the laptops were actually mine. Uh, there was one laptop that was mine, that was at my mum's house. There was a DJ in that house prior, the night before, from the pub. We used to have sessions at the pub, and the DJ at the pub, I used to slip in 50 quid and say, come back to my house, set up your DJ equipment here, and all the geezers and all the birds would turn up from the house, we'd just have a rave, you know what I mean? <laughs> so everyone used to bugger off home at about three, four in the morning. You know what it's like, you know what I mean? Everyone used to bugger off home three, four in the morning. And then he left his laptop there, so they took his laptop. I said, don't take his bloody laptop, that's a DJ, and he's had to go to work with. <laughs> but literally, they sat me down in Nottingham Police Station, uh, Bridewell, and they asked me questions, why did I say it? And my answer was simply the, the same, it's in their scripture. I, I said, if you give me the scripture, give me the Quran, I'll show you right now. It's within the Hadith. I, I'm, and what, I'm, what, I'm, what was the allegation, anyway? Yeah, the, the allegation, I think, I can't remember the charge. They didn't charge me for anything, but they arrested me to inquire about a crime that may have been committed. But obviously, after that, I, they, well, where did you get your information from? Was it from Islamic scripture? And then they, they, I answered their questions, and then I didn't have no solicitor or anything like that. I just didn't see the point. I was in and out, they let me go. I never heard of them again. People may call me a racist or this, that, and the other because of my involvement with English Fantasy, especially at such a high level, at the highest level you can be. But at the end of the day, no, I've never committed no crime when I was in the EDL. No charge was given to me. I never served no time. So if I am... And it was nothing to do with race either? No, it wasn't. No, no, no. no. At all. No, it's, it was all about the ideology. And, you know, you can question ideology. We have freedom of speech. We have freedom to insult. We have freedom to criticise. You know, this is my freedom, my God-given right. And now you're saying to me, I can't use that. So which one is it? You know yeah. what I mean? But they're not actually, this is what they're doing, the police are intimidating by arrests. 100%. Yeah, but they're, not, they're not going to no crime. The, and, and, the thing, and, the, and the thing about it is, especially like with you, you're similar to me. Well, you're way beyond me. Like people like Donald Trump, you, we're relentless. If you tell us no, 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 we're going to still keep coming. If you hit us and put us down, we're still going to keep coming. We are relentless, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and sometimes it takes these individuals to make things actually happen. And that's why we're in the position we are in this life today. Do you no. remember some of the um, link-ups we had with Sikhs? Do you remember the school that was coming under attack in Essex? Yes, I do remember. Yeah, that was back in the day. I, I can't remember the story proper time. What, what actually happened there again? It was some young white council state kids in the council state were attacking the summer school. Yeah. Where the Sikh children were going, yeah. call them terrorists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that back in the day. Yeah, I, I wasn't too much involved in that, was okay, I? But no. when, the, when there was, I think you that, linked us up with the. Sikh. Yeah, yeah. There was. I always put you. I always put you in contact with the local organisations. When there was that thing in Luton about one of the gills or something like that, then you rolled me up and you're like, "What do I need to wear a turban or something?" I said, "No, a, bandage, a, a bandana will do, mate." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just cover your <laughs> I should have sent you one instead. Yeah. You know, what I mean? <laughs> sort of thing you do to me. You know, what I mean? yeah. yeah. Well, this this was because um, Sikhs mm. were coming under attack by some kids. Local yeah. kids, local mm. kids from the estate, and um, and we formed a relationship with the Sikhs where they were all chanting EDL where the kids were. Yeah, 100%. So then we've gone down on a Friday night onto the mm. council estate. Yeah. I've gone walking over, all the kids are at the shops. I said, you know, if you come, if you come on our estate when we were 15, mm. 16, you're getting beaten up. Yeah, yeah? Right, yeah, So I said, we might walk over and get filled in by the mm. kids now. Mm. But we walked yeah. over, I see all the kids, and they're like, t- I said, I said, obviously, mm. they knew who I was. They're all going on about the English Defence League. I said, what's going on with the, yeah. what's going on with the school? Yeah. They're terrorists. 
Mm. And then we ha- we're educated. We said, yeah. do you have any idea yeah. the difference? In I know, precisely. Complete the- polar opposite <laughs> as well. It's insanity. There's so- no similarities at all. We sat, and no co- we sat and had this conversation with all these apart, young... Apart from maybe the colour of the skin, there's yeah. no similarities at all. You know what I mean? And when we had this, we had this conversation with all the kids and explained mm. to them. Yeah. Explain to them history, explain to them the Sikhs, the, the relationship we had in, in the World War. Yeah, the anglo Sikh history is so, it runs so deep, it's the, so close. The comments from Winston Churchill about forever showing yeah, gratitude, yeah, forever precisely. respecting the turban. Yeah. If, if, you, if they're prepared to die yeah. wearing it yeah. in battle for us, mm. then we'll be prepared to respect it, 100%. which is why Sikhs can, yeah, yeah. don't have to wear motorbike helmets. Yeah, 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 all worry. these different things, yeah. that are, there's a history to it. Mm. And then we took all the kids, which is a, is, is a nice story, because yeah. we took all the kids mm. to the school yeah. to meet all the Sikhs, who yeah. then they become, then that's they met them yeah. in a level of respect. Yeah. That's and that's us educating, but that's mm. the BBC's job. It should be their job mm. to educate on the, on yeah. the amazing things of Sikh community. I, I, I notice, especially with my involvement in the English Defence League, the amount of people of different minorities did come into the English Defence League. You started having like a Sikh division turn yeah. up, you, and then you had Hindus turn up, and I think there was some Chinese lads that turned up one mm-hmm. time. There was one geezer, Philip Chin, I'm trying to get hold of. He used to do some, um, some graphics for me and stuff, you know what I mean? A really good guy from Stoke-on-Trent. Mm. It was at that fun demonstration that we had back in the day. <laughs> that was a good one, Matt, yeah. I enjoyed that one. <laughs> and Blackburn. Right, yeah, yeah, Blackburn, yeah. Mm. Blackburn was chaos. Yeah, yeah, true, yeah, 100%. I mean, even within the English Defence League, it wasn't just a case of me getting attacked at our sort of level. I mean, to tell you the truth, I never really like to see myself as a leader or a person of authority like that. I just am what I am. I'm just doing what I'm doing. I'm not trying to put my, uh, my, my foot on somebody else's throat. But I always saw that our sort of level, we were always attacked by certain individuals within the English Defence League. Yeah. And obviously they may call you one name or they may call me another name. That may, that may, may come across as racist or whatever. Yeah. But it, well, it, there, was, there was an element who disliked you, yeah? Well, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was an element that wanted rid of you. Oh, 100%. And yeah. that, was a, that would have been a far-right element. Yeah, 100%. And they, and they are and the element are, that we got rid of. Yeah, we got rid of them. 100%. Yeah. They created the North yeah. East Infidels. They created yeah, the North yeah. West Infidels. I know, yeah. We were labelled as far right extremists. I know, yeah, 100%. Whereas in reality, yeah. we were battling yeah. these far right extremists. Oh, 100%. I think that was the, the only major problem of the English Defence League was the implosion of it, with the people within it wanting to cause destruction. It's the first time I've ever been part of an organisation where you're having to deal with so many individuals, so many egos, so many, I want to do this. I, I mean, when I used to organise the demonstrations, I used to go to the cities, but I'd always get the divisional leaders involved to make, you know, to keep everything together. Sometimes it was impossible for me to do that because yeah. I've got coppers and stuff and gold silver commanders ringing me up to turn up and it's all last minute and stuff. But I always try to keep everyone together. But even still, when you do that, there's still, oh, I would have done it this way, I would have done it that way. And there was always yeah. an attempt, which I'd say was a government agency's attempt. It was, yeah. To break proven. the North, the South, the Midlands. 100%. Always yeah. trying to break the organisation. I mean, that, that, I mean, it's been... And we pro- were always trying to keep it together. I mean, it's been proven, hasn't it, that there was organisations under government watch that were brought in to try and disrupt it as Within. much as they yeah, what, what were they called again? The... No, I'm about Met Intelligence Bureau. There was the Secret Demonstrations. That's squad. it. That's the These one. organisations yeah, yeah, yeah. who yeah. were infiltrating. Yeah. We found out. I found. Yeah. A, I, I, I found a couple of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to their houses. Mm-hmm. They yeah. infiltrated the organisation. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, mm. But you, Amit, were, you know, we played a pivotal role. Yeah. You were well known. Yeah, yeah. You've done a. I think a, a fabulous job. A it still job. comes up today. I mean, you know, I mean, my God, my God, I've not been involved in anything like that. Things changed for me when the EDL was kind of dying down. I had to leave. There was things going on in my own personal life, business-wise. I need to, to 
to you know, you know, put my hand to, and I think it was only about a year or so, six months later or something, you ended it anyway. Mm. And obviously the next part of my life was the whole jail sentence, but we can go into that when you're ready. Yeah. But yeah, the role that we did play was absolutely important. It, it was a spark that lit fire that went worldwide. There were, there were divisional leagues all over the, all over the world that grew from It went from people whispering about Islam to screaming about it. I mean, I even saw the change within politics, you know what I mean? I even saw politicians at question time even discussing it, discussing the issue, bringing it to the forefront. It was people like us that brought the message of the grooming gang scandal to the mainstream. You know, we told people about it. Court cases that went back to the 90s, noughties. Then these individuals start getting arrested. Then they start going to prison. And it took our voices, it took our demonstrating to get that done. And you know what? If, if we can look back on it and say that we've had our hand in that sort of of exposing these sort of crimes and helping to save future children of this country, I think we could be very proud of ourselves, don't you, man? I totally agree. 100%. Yeah, talk, talk to me about the Sikh, um, because when we first become... The Sikhs community, talk to me about their history with the grooming. Okay, so what basically happened, I mean, I do have family members that were around at that time and that were involved in certain organisations, because there's a correlation between the, the grooming of the white, of the English girls in this country and the grooming of the Sikh girls. Back in the day, Pakistani Muslims, like what they did in India, they went out to groom Sikh girls. It was like a badge of honour they could wear on themselves. They do it via manipulation, alcohol, drugs, by force, whatever. Because it was very hard for these young girls to turn around to their parents and admit what had happened to them as well because of the sheer of shame and the embarrassment of within the community. I mean, there's, I mean, there's girls that are victims of grooming. We know people like Mohan Singh from Sikh Awareness Society. He's going to be at my wedding. You know, he helps a lot of these victims. Some of them have had to move country. Families have moved country because of the shame of it. And really, the shame. And Mohan Singh, Sikh Awareness Society, don't just help Sikh girls. No, no, they help everybody. They help girls from all sorts of yeah. races and all sorts of backgrounds, yeah. But what basically happened in this country, there was, um, a, yeah, there was a grooming scandal against the Sikh girls and it was the same situation as what happened with the white girls where the police wouldn't actually go out of their way to arrest these people for the sake of, you know, Diversity. you know, civil, whatever, you know what I mean? They, they, they didn't want to look like they were racist because it was predominantly Pakistani men that were grooming these uh, girls. So what happened is the Sikhs took it in their own hands and started an organisation called Shir Punjab, which means uh, Lions of Punjab. Um, SP. Well, SP, SP, yeah, and, and they went out and they dealt with it as Sikhs are being told to dealt with it, and they dealt with it violently, and it worked because it stopped our girls being groomed and raped by Pakistani Muslims because they were in so much fear of the repercussions that would happen to them. So this was a national organisation that this was set is, up with volunteers from temples across it, the UK? It, it, it was set up by individuals from various Gurdwaras, uh, liaise, because all Gurdwaras, there's a network of it, it's like a spider effect, this man will know this man, we keep very close-knit community, and it was set up by some strong, incredible individuals that didn't mind going to jail, some people are still in jail for it, didn't mind dying for it, to protect their women, because that's, as men, in my eyes, that is the utmost, f foremost important job of a man to do to protect the women in your life. Children, wife, grandmother, mother, that's our first responsibility, to take care of your family. And they were willing to do what they had to do and whatever they did, I'm completely proud of what they did. You know what I mean? I, I, you know, I, I have no qualms against that. And then, so at that point, I think that was more like, the early 80s, late 80s, early 90s, but then we saw... Which was mainly around the Birmingham area, these... It was these all over, it was, it was locked down south as well, okay. you know what I mean, down London, Birmingham area. The, the, the areas where you have a, a high population of Pakistani people, yep. it's going to be in them areas. Um, 
And then later on in life, what you've seen, just by looking back at the court cases and the documents that we had available to us, when you've got gangs in Rotherham or something, their crimes, when they were being arrested and reported, were in the early 90s when this had ended from the Sikh girls. So what these Pakistani lads have done is they've gone from, these Pakistani Muslim lads, if they've gone from Sikh girls, they've gotten a load of shit, they've feared it, they've been scared of it, and they've gone to the white girls because they've needed to fill that hedonistic, you know, paedophilic urge that they have. And so they've shifted variants. So they've gone from there to there. And for the easy targets. And, and with the easy targets, unfortunately, in the English community in this country at that time, there wasn't such organisations as the EDL to protect these girls and people weren't willing to stand up for. Maybe people did try, and you know, maybe they were injured and they, they tried to get something done. There was no national organisation. There, there, wasn't, there wasn't nothing organised on a national basis to stop it. Or to educate mm. about it. Yeah, 100%. Because Sikhs around their temples have yeah. edu I've been to these educational yeah, yeah. seminars yeah. where they invite all the daughters and all the sisters all the mothers yeah. and they educate them yeah and groups like Seek Awareness do yeah. this yeah 100% and they educate them on what's happening in the towns I was just about to mention it I mean recently me and my uncle well me and my cousin uncle he's got two young boys both in school um, and Mohan Singh was coming to Nottingham um, so it was only a couple of months ago and, um, and we sat there. It was the first time I've actually been to a Mohan Singh speech, but it was absolutely brilliant, Bro. incredible, moving, very eye-opening. I kind of knew it all anyway, because I've been involved in this before, but, you know, he brings it across properly. And he doesn't just do it in Sikh Gurdwaras, he does it in other religious institutes as well, other schools and stuff like that have had him. And there was a part of it where I kind of get why these issues are still continuing. It may be in the Sikh community, maybe in the English community, whatever community. There was an individual that put his hands up and there was a seat guy sat right in front of me, he put his hands up, he goes, you've got to put some blame on the girls as well. I think that's the problem. I mean, they're not willing to, more on things talking about a group of fully grown men driving around in cars, abusing, raping, manipulating, feeding children. drugs to children, but you don't want to talk about a group of men, you want to talk about the young 10-year-old girl. And, the, and my idea behind that, well, my thought process behind that is he's either... Sympathetic, sympathetic towards the crime, he's probably doing it himself, or he literally is just that bloody stupid, he just hasn't got a clue what's going on in life. He's viewing the children the way the police as a viewed as, as the a children, criminal. Yeah, yeah, as yeah, criminals, yeah, yeah, as, yeah, yeah. as, as willing they're... participants who yeah. are accepting it's and taking drugs. It's on them. Now, Which is how the council and our government, yeah. the Home Office, our politicians, when, all of them, media. When you, when, you look, when you look at crimes against children, if they come from a sort of better area, I mean, if, this kids, if these kids came from, S, uh, came from Chelsea or Mayfair, they'd be fucking uproar. You yeah. know what I mean? That, the House of Commons would be brought to a standstill. Yeah. But because they come from these deprived areas, because they come from these deprived backgrounds, this is the issue with our leaders in this country. They don't care about the working class anymore. They don't care about the people at the bottom. They don't respect them which they do with people at the top. And that's one thing me and you have always had in common. You know, we could, I will look at a man at the top, but I can look at a man at the so-called bottom, but they're still the same to me. There's no difference. I don't, yeah. I don't view them in any, any way. It's all different. <coughs> mm. Well, sure. Um, we're speaking, you spoke about the incident in Luton. <coughs> there was an incident in Luton yeah, where... there was, yeah. A Sikh girl was only raped. Yeah, 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 she was raped, yeah, yeah. And, then, <coughs> uh, and then the Sikhs protested outside the Godwara. I couldn't make it down at the time, but then you and Kev went, yeah. Yeah, the police refused, mm. and I've never, ever... Mm. I went into the Godwara, it was the first time, we'd, mm. we'd been contacted and asked to come down. I went in, and um, the speech given yeah. was the, back, the hairs on the back of my neck stood Yeah, yeah. And it was about protecting and honour yeah. and of their daughters, 100%. one of their daughters had been anally raped, mm. the police are refusing action, the police haven't made arrests. Yeah. 
we need to bring the town to a standstill. Yeah. And it was about then telling the police and then the community left, we left with them and they blocked, the women sat down, all the seat yeah, women, yeah. blocked the roads. Yeah. Um, and the worrying thing for the police is, Berry Park is here, so the Muslim community is here. Mm. This is all happening here. Yeah. Literally, if you walk 10 minutes that, five, yeah. five minutes that way, you're, mm. in, you're in Berry Park, the Muslim mm. community. And the police terrified that. Mm. And only after this, just mm. like in the Leicester situation, only after mm. this were those men prosecuted for, 100%. for raping her. 100%. Before yeah. these protests, mm. nothing. Nothing at all. Police no. weren't even arrested. They, they had all the evidence, they had all the charges in place, they just slept on the carpet. It's like it all disappeared. Yeah. They had years and years of documentation of these grooming gangs throughout the country. They were sat on it, still didn't charge it. All, this, all for the sake of community cohesion and all the rest of it. Don't, don't want to see races. It, it's only when they crime. feared, it, it's only because 200 men, I remember I've seen, there, must, there, there was hundreds of Birmingham seats. Yeah, yeah. Mm. They were all masked up. They mobilised themselves They'd come quite down well. hundreds, yeah. I mean hundreds of them. Yeah. And that's street. what the English Defence League were like. Mobbed we could mobilise thousands yeah. we could get mobbed up and come down. And sometimes, at these sort of times, when your government and your own policing authority are not helping, you're going to have to jump in yourself. And that was the whole point of us, you know what I mean? 100%. I still look at people twice who weren't a part of the EDL. You know, who worked with me on the front line, who weren't there. You know, so, uh, I was like, Do you ever, did you ever go to an EDL demo? No, I read about it online. You've got to really support it. I still think twice about them. People are like, why didn't you go? Why weren't you there? Why weren't you banging on the door? Why was it us boys? Where were you? But, you know, not everyone was as... I'm the same, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, f- I still feel disappointed. Yeah, 100%. I do Especially in Luton. Yeah. I look at Luton mm. and think, nah. We tried, man. Yeah, I know. We yeah. really, we really we put went our for fucking it. heads on the we line. We put our you know heads on I mean? the line, and we made it a national move. Everything. We yeah. made a national movement that affected yeah. government that had yeah. the world's eyes. Yeah. And you wouldn't even come out on 100%, the streets. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. I still feel like bad, isn't it? I'm, yeah, I'm it's bad, as well. yeah, yeah, it's really bad. It upsets me sometimes, especially when it's my own close friends. I'm glad it's not just you. And, and so you know, they're always pat your back. Yeah, good on you, lad. Crack on. I'm like, but where the fuck are you? You know what I mean? I was like, really, you know, if it, until it's their daughters. They won't know. You see, here's the thing. We stood up for individuals' daughters we've never met or known in our lives. That's what, and we put our heads on the line for them. But until it's their daughters, they won't stand up. This is the problem. You know what I mean? You'll protect your own, but you won't protect anybody else's. No, so, you're not so when it comes to your problems, how do you expect any help from anybody else? Yeah, yeah. You give and you get in this life. You know what I mean? Wherever you give out, you'll get back. Whilst we had chaos, mm. whilst there was a lot of destruction, a lot of trouble, mm. We had a good time. We had the best time ever. It's times we'll never get back, my brother. Come you know on. what I mean? And we still continue to have a good time now. It's the English Defence League. I can't was... wait for you to start having court cases again so we can keep going out to <laughs> prostates in London. You know what I mean? We have been. I, I've been for a prostate in London for God knows how long. You know what I mean? So hurry up and get arrested again for something. Oh, you know what I mean? I'm coming, waiting. Bro. We, we, have this, we have this relationship and agreement that whenever I'm in court, Amit comes to court with me. That's the deal. <laughs> yeah. And then we choose a restaurant each time and the other person has to pay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're always trying to find the most expensive <laughs> steakhouse in 100%, London. Yeah. Yeah. What was the last one you done? Scots. Scots, yeah. Scots. I've been down there. I've done it for Scots. Yeah. I'm sitting yeah. in there. Lobster the old life. Before quarter the, that. Yeah, I've been there numerous times as well. You know what I mean? But yeah, it's a good crack. Yeah, I mean, always. That's the deal. Is I'm, it's, if I'm in court, it's I'm its treat. He's <laughs> in court, it's yeah, my yeah. treat. The problem is I'm in court all the time. Skins, man. No wonder I'm so good skin. Life took a different direction because you ended up in court. 
Yeah, I ended up in court. I mean, the charges were out there of attempted robbery, extortion, demanding money with menaces, this, that and the other. Some, were, some, some stuck, others didn't. Um, I don't really want to go too much into it, you know what I mean? But it is what it is. They, they, they put these charges on my head. I have a completely different opinion of what actually happened. <laughs> And, you know, that's where mine of the police's morals may change a little bit, change quite a lot. But, yeah, I ended up in court and I ended up receiving the sentence of just over nine years. Nine years in prison? Yeah, 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 nine years, yeah. Mm. And this was just after the English Defence League? Yeah, 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 I left the English Defence League, you ended the English Defence League. I think you went to prison at the same sort of time as me. Yeah, I did, yeah. Yeah, 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 because you were down in Wayland and I landed in Ramby. I think there was something going on with Kev as well. Yeah. So it was funny that we all just ended up in jail. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So that was crazy. But yeah, so I, I received that sentence and yeah, no, it was a hefty sentence. I mean, I've done a bit, little bit of bird back in the day, a few weeks here, a couple of months there, a bit of tagging and stuff. You know, just growing up, just being a little idiot on the street like we all are sometimes. Mm. And uh, apart from that, but yeah, that was a hefty sentence, yeah. And what was that? What was that? What was... Because I know what prison was like for me. So mm. what was prison like for you? Same as you. <laughs> the same as you. Because people um, could check who you were. Oh, the fact is, is like the English, I mean, you know what? It was only the other week that we were in an island. And remember when we went to Ireland. When we went to Republic Ireland. And then me and Daniel Roscoe went to go and infiltrate that demonstration. We wanted to go and have a chat with some of the left-wing organisers there about what they were doing in Ireland in support of all these illegal refugees and everything. I literally, well, Danny told you, I walked into that demonstration, I was picked out within five seconds. And this is, you know, this is 2023. The last time I was at EDL demo was 12, 13 years ago. You know what I mean? So even after all this time, for some reason, they've still got a bit of a hard-on for me, which I, I get it. If I, if, you know... You were, pro you were problematic for them. Yeah, yeah, 100%. You because know what I mean? you were Sikh, because you were brown. Precisely, yeah. Because yeah, you didn't fit the stereotype that they like to put all of these yeah, people into. Yeah, what I was willing to say and going out of my way to say, you know, and educating others about it, they were gutted about it, you know what I mean? Mm. 100%. And if you're approached by a man of such good looks, I could understand, you know what I mean? You're probably going to be pissed off yourself, you know? So, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so, and so that was crazy. But, yeah, but in prison at the time... Because obviously it's it's common knowledge that you know I didn't actually turn up to my trial. Um, you didn't turn up to your trial, and no. this was a wit and no, no. Let's remember rightly, yeah. Yeah. You messaged me, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. What did yeah. you message? Well, I can't remember now. <laughs> Mate, let's go. For I'm going London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Booking to a lovely hotel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Come yeah. Come down and meet me for a few Yeah, yeah. Come and have a few drinks, my mate. <laughs> I didn't go to my trial. The way my court case was going, there was no evidence of me to commit these crimes. There was no CCTV, there was no cell sighting, there was no fingerprints. The victims in the report had turned around and said, it's not Gurumit Singh. That wasn't the man that committed these crimes. The Viper proceedings, everything, everything was against me. A few days before my uh, trial was beginning to start, it was a Monday. On the Friday previous, one of my cousins had recently uh, passed. Uh, very, very, it was very sudden news, so his funeral was on the Friday. I get a phone call from a lawyer, which I'm not going to mention who their names are, they're absolute fucking pricks. But I got a phone call from the lawyers saying they found some new evidence on you. There's duct tape, your fingerprints are on duct tape. I was like, what are you talking about? They said they found your fingerprints on the sticky side of duct tape. I was like, number one, there was no duct tape there. All right? I didn't see any duct tape. There wasn't any duct tape. So I don't understand how my fingerprints have gone onto a foreign item that wasn't even at the place in the first place. And then I was saying to my lawyers, well, if you've got this newfound evidence, well, why aren't you researching it a little bit? Why aren't you digging into it? Do my fingerprints exist? He goes, no, 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 just turn up on Monday, we're going to go guilty. So you fucking what? He goes, look, it's all going pot, so it was just going tits up, you go in jail. That was the response from my lawyers. And so I, I decided... Could, could, there been, could your fingerprints have been on this? Impossible, impossible. Listen, <clears throat> when I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And I tell you I'm fucking wrong. But when I'm right, I'm bloody right. You know, if it, if, if it's, if it looks like a duck... 
and it quacks like a dog, I call it a dog. And I'm telling you, it's impossible. It's 100% impossible. It's impossible. Which is why you then... So basically over the weekend, I was, I was, you know, I was up in the air about it. I was currently on bail anyway. I was on tag, had, had so many restrictions on me. They took my passport. I had to put money down to get released and everything. I put a shorty down. They don't take the money, but you just prove that you've got it. I had to live at my parents' house. Bloody hell, that was probably the worst part of it. You know what I mean? After all these years, you move out, you live in your freedom life, and then you got to go back to living next door to your grandma and your mum and dad. It's like, <laughs> fucking hell. Maybe Joe would have been better, you know what I mean? But yeah, they took, put all these restrictions on me. And then on the, on the morning of the Monday, I did actually... Um, I've got to be careful what I say here because I could inflict other people in crimes that knew I, what I was going to do. But well, I didn't. They, yeah, no, you know, you didn't know nothing, no. And then there were some people knew I was going on the run. And then so I thought, fuck it, I'm not going. And my solicitor won me from the court case because, where are you? He said, I'm not turning up. I said, I've asked you to do all this. Got, There's something untowards here. Let me read this. I said, I don't know what's going on, but I don't trust what's happening to me. This is, a, this is weird. It didn't. Look. If I've done something wrong, I'll turn up to court like I have done every single time. Am I time right in my that they spent £50,000 getting yours? There's, yeah, there's a high cost. I mean, what my solicitor told Just me is when, 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 when I went on the run, uh, the judge had put in an order to live cell site me. Not to cell site me, to live cell site me. Now, the technology for live cell sighting, and then it was quite, you know, it was out there. It's how they catch terrorists. You know what I mean? That through a number from a phone, they can track in via satellite or however they do it and pinpoint you down to GPS location. Now, this is not the sort of techno technology or the advances police make to arrest a person that's on a run for these charges. That's impossible. Yeah. The, 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 this technology is used for people of like, Terrorism. Yeah, yeah, like, like national threats. Not little Gourmet Singh from bloody Beast of Night. But you were a national threat. You, 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 you didn't realise that. Well, this is the thing. Everybody You're a says threat. I was, but well, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I didn't see it like that. I just you like spoke about Mohammed. You're a national yeah, threat. Yeah, well, yeah, well, there you, you go. Told the truth, yeah, like, yeah, you're a yeah, threat. yeah, hundred yeah, percent. I don't fit there. You know, I don't fit within yeah. their box. So obviously, I'm You're a, national a national threat. threat. So they, they had to go to court to get this technology to arrest me, and they did arrest me. And then obviously there was a little bit of runaround. I think somehow my tag had ended up in the police station in Luton. I don't know how. And then they were looking for me in Luton, but my name was in the press then, and I was in London. <laughs> and then, and then they're looking for me in London, but I was in Cornwall. <laughs> e e EDL co-founder checked into London attractions on Facebook whilst on the run. And here's the thing about it, right? You know that you know that picture there with the cigar and the Don Perignon. You, and you were the right? original Andrew Tate. That, that, that was when I was. On the run. That, that, was, that was months beforehand. Okay. I was at a hotel in Nottingham on the piss with my mates. I used to drink Don Perignon weekly, you know what I mean? That was my drink. And so and cigars. Week, yeah, yeah. The original to, tape. Yeah, yeah, the original. That bloke copied his shit off me, you know what I mean? That's <laughs> nothing. I've been doing that shit for a long time. But yeah, but I used to go out all the time. You know, I'd enjoy a bottle of champagne in town with my mates and a cigar. We used to go around all the hotels in town. This is what we do. And that picture's from way before, but they said, I'm, I'm in London now, taking these pictures, sending them to the police, winding them up. I ain't saying shit to them. Yes, I was like going, I'm in Cornwall, so I checked in at the big eye. Now, if they're stupid enough to think I'm, gonna, I'm on the run and I'm going to check into a, a, a tourist location in the, in the, most, in the most surveillance bloody city capital in the whole world, then that's their, their fault, you know what I mean? But yeah, I did throw them off guard like that. But then I came back to Nottingham. Uh, you know, my family were getting a lot of stress. They were kicking down houses that I owned. They were kicking down my family's houses. They, they were kicking down my friend's houses. They were kicking the doors down there. And what actually happened was, because they had this uh, uh, cell site and technology available to them, they kicked down the door of this female's house in Nottingham. All right, I was living not far from there. I rented a house to keep out of the way. So I was living in this house. Now, when they kicked her door out, they walked away, she made a phone call. That phone call was to me. So when she made that phone call, bam, 
because there was it was impossible to find out where, for them to find out where I was. I didn't tell nobody, not even my closest friends. She might have grasped her up, right? <laughs> I, I reckon know. she grasped her up. She didn't know where I was. She didn't okay. know where I was. No, she lived near me, but nobody okay. knew. I rented this house through a friend of mine's names. I said, listen, do me a favour. Let me just give you six months rent. Get me a yard. So I've got a little bit of a base where I can just keep my clothes, work out where my head's at. I was going to hand myself in. This wasn't going to last forever. Yeah. Do you feel you were stitched? Do you feel the court case was a stitch? I completely feel that the court case because was a stitch. Because of your I'm not, I'm not saying crimes weren't committed, but it weren't the crimes what they said. And it wasn't as serious as that. But And I, your I, DNA was... No, they had nothing at all. But I believe it gave the, uh, the government at the highest of level... Uh, something to latch on to. Uh, they arrested me, they put me in Bridewell for the weekend, which is a um, police station in Nottingham. Uh, landed at Nottingham Crown Court. The judge that sentenced me in my absence, he was the one that wanted to see me. So uh, they says, he, he says, obviously you've got this seven and a half year sentence, but obviously I've got to serve some time for getting on my toes. So they took me back to HMP Nottingham and then they brought me back a week later and the judge that sentenced me in my absence, he says, okay, then Mr. Singh, you know, finally, I managed to, you know, look me in the eye and had, he had a little chat with me. And um, there was a shorty on the table. He says, he says, I think you've gone through a lot. I think he even understood sort of where my mind was at. You know, when you're on the run, that's not a good time, you know. No, Every day and night, your bloody, your head, it is that most horrible experience in the whole bloody world. I feel no, like I've been on the run for 10 years. No one, does, no one does some of the most famous criminals in this world like that. Ronnie Biggs, when he went to Brazil, he even came back. And I think he had a little bit of sympathy towards, not sympathy, empathy towards me. And so I, had, I, I did put a shorty down myself to get bail in the first place, quite a large figure. And he said to me, you know, you've been sentenced seven and a half years. Um, I'm going to give you another two years for going on the wrong. So the sentence lands at nine and a half years. But he goes, when it comes to your surety, I'm going to bring you back to court. We'll discuss it. I'll make that go away. I wasn't in the mood. I just wanted to sleep. I just wanted to go to my cell, get, get sentenced, start my prison life and just sleep. So I said, I'm not coming back. Just take the surety. My family were there with my checkbook. I cut him a check. I was out of there, done. And so, yeah, then my sentence started. I landed in Nottingham. I'm one of them geezers, if you put me, I think, you know, you're the same as well. If you put me in these sort of circumstances, I can make the best of it that I can make of it. And so when I landed in Nottingham, quickly got myself a good job on the wing, quickly got a single pad. I, I landed with not a penny in my pocket. I, I quickly filled Do you know my... how to get a single pad every time? Pardon? I, not, no, I didn't have to. Yeah, so, but do you know how to? Well, when I landed into Nottingham, they put me, padded, padded me up with a Muslim. I was no, in double padded. As soon as you get a jail, mm-hmm. I'm racist. I'm homophobic. Yeah. I wet the bed. Yeah. I'll kill anyone you put you see, in the cell. All right. Okay. So I understand what you're saying. All right. I'll kill I understand. Anyone. I understand what you're I mean, saying. Well, I, they put me in my okay. cell and they open up. I was in Winchester. I'm laying in my cell and they yeah. open up the door with another prisoner. <laughs> I said, I'll fucking kill him. I'll kill him. I, under- right? I understand. And then you shut the door. I understand. Like, Leave what, me alone. I understand what you're saying. I've got, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not laying. I can't sleep yeah. if I'm in a cell with yeah. someone else. 100. Because they'll do me. I understand what you're saying. And in the circles that I got with my life, someone's going to cut that. Being they, I'm racist. I'm homophobic. I understand what you're saying. And, and I, grew, I, I, I grew up in circles where a lot of men have been to jail, a lot of men are that side of the law. You know what I mean? I still associate with these circles. I just don't delve into that business anymore. But the, the, thing, the thing was with me, Tommy, when I got that sentence, and even though I was on the run, I was confident if you, give me the, if, you, if you can get me in front of the right people, I can get myself to Cat D. Now, when I've got four and a half, year, four and a half nearly five years to serve, so you could do two years in Cat D, I thought I can get back to my mum and my grandma and my brother quickly. Because my brother was just starting university, he needed my help. 
I've always been the man of our house. My dad's never really worked too much. We've always had grievances growing up. Mum still works in a factory. It's always been me, and it's a lot better now that like financially, emotionally supports the household. Always have done, always will. They've always supported me whenever I've needed it, all the time. You know what I mean? But I've always had that role to play. So when I was going to jail, I thought, okay, I'm going to prison. That's a fact. I'm on the sweat box. I've got a geezer behind me who's fucking shitting up his bloody cell door on the sweat box. Got another geezer shouting, Singh, you racist cunt. You know what I mean? And then I've got this English lad saying, oh, go on, lad, you know what I mean? I'm like, fuck, you know, go on, just get me there. Here we go. And, but I always had in my head, because the first time I've ever done a big bird, I'm having to do years in high security and then Kateri G thoughts. I thought to myself, I need to get home. I've got to get home because I've got a family to take care of. Luckily, before I went to prison, I put things in place so they won't go without. That was sorted. But, when, but that was always in my head, so I couldn't, I didn't want to make them move. So basically, my idea was get in that jail, do what I usually do in life, get around the right people that can get me ahead. And then once I've done that, let's see if I can bag this cat D out of them. And it's kind of what I did. Yeah. You know what I mean? So when I landed in Nottingham, I got a good job. Wing Barber. I've never cut anybody's hair in my head. There's this geezer, you know, from Long Eat and Robbo, who's like a fucking bare knuckle fighter. I'll give him an haircut, I fucked it right up. <laughs> I shit myself. So you go about the swing and go, that ain't fucking right. I fucking locked my door inside my cell on that bounce. I'm thinking, ah, oh, shit. The next day you come down, I said, Robbo, I'm sorry. He goes, just fucking shave it all off now. I, mean, I said, all right then, mate. And so after that, they give, me the, they give me the wing barber job so I could get a single cell. The screws told me what to do. But then what I used to do is I used to pay other people to cut people's hair. I just, I just got the wages and I got the single cell. Okay. So I always had to play it. In Nottingham it was sound. There was a couple of threats and stuff coming, but I'm a Nottingham lad. And every single wing in Nottingham, it's my people. It's my people that I grew up with, you know what I mean? And they're, they're the ones when you're in a prison to really worry about. And so I was sound in Nottingham. Then I went to Ramby. I was there for a while, induction orderly, reception orderly. You know, I put myself in front of the right places. Oh, good jobs. I, yeah, yeah, 100%. I never asked them for nothing. You know, when I get somewhere, when I'm trying to get somewhere, I don't ask anybody for anything. But when I get there, I know that they're going to ask me, you need any help? The minute they do that, bam, I latch on like a pit bull. Now I've got them where I want them. You know what I mean? And that's how I got the position in Ramby. But in Ramby, things changed. Had a bit of an argument with the governor, called her a peasant. And then she moved me out to Stockholm. <laughs> Why'd you call her a peasant? Because she's a fucking peasant. <laughs> I said, you're the only governor. You're the only fucking governor. I'm asking you about my cat D. I've got lawyers on the outside. But... This was your, so your way of getting the cat D that you know how to get. It was, was one of the things that came out of my mouth by accident. Sometimes you say stupid shit, you know what I mean? You know, but you can't judge a person just over one stupid comment. But I kept, it's like I completely got ignored by her. It was like she was doing it on purpose. And then we had this conversation and bam, that come out. Then the screws come and said, you go to Stockholm. I said, fucking hell. Because I knew Stockholm was majority Pakistani Muslim jail. You know what I mean? And Ramby, North Nottinghamshire, most violent jail I've ever seen in this whole country, Ramby. But I still had it in the palm of my hand. I was sound. Everybody on the wing were my people. So on every single wing, so I was sound. I had the walk, I had the run of the jail. I turned around to the screws, open that door, I'm going for a walk, I go for a fucking walk. If one of my mates wanted to come out in the evening when they lock off, me and my mate would go out, play a bit of chess, you know yeah, what I mean? Chill out, have a smoke, and job done, go back in the cells. I had it like that. You know what I mean? And then I went to Stockholm, and that's where it really kicked off. Landed in Stockholm with a good mate of mine from Besswood, John Boy. And um, yeah, we were on the induction wing, it was sand. Two days later, they put us on K-Wing. I said, when I landed in Stockholm, I did, I, I did the same thing in Nottingham, I did the same thing in Rumby. You do understand my profile, you know what I'm about. I know I'm going to have issues here. So they knew about it in Nottingham, they knew about it in Rumby, and they did accommodate that. I know they did that. You know, there was, because I was, I, I was politicking with governors and you know, uh, custody, 
uh, the CMs, the three stripes and the two stripes, you know, I'm dealing with these sort of screws while I'm working there. So they came, approached me and they told me that they knew about me, that there was security issues and yep. this, that and the other, so they're aware. But in Stockholm, they, 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 all the other prisons I went to had a duty care to me and they fulfilled it. Stockholm didn't. They just threw me in the lines then. When they moved me from induction to K-Wing, I walked on, there's like 25 Muslims there praying. I was, and then literally threw me in, shut the gate, I turned around, he just grinned and fucked off. And I got all these Muslims in front of me. I thought, here we fucking go. So me and John Boy went into our cell. Did you tell him about Mohammed on the mountain? Nah, I thought this is a perfect time. time. I'm not going to say it. You know what I mean? (laughs) I reckon if I had you with me, I would have said, fuck (laughs) it. If I'm going down, they both go down. But but then, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) But then John Boy, because some of our boys were on that wing as well. That wing was like pure Pakistani lads. A lot of black, a lot of black lads converted and stuff. Local lads, Mm. but it was just pure Pakistani lads. And then some white lads converted. A Polish lad converted. I said, when the fuck did you not come along? I said, I've heard about it. I said, not you. Like, I mean, I'm not being funny. When I was in Stockholm, there was a traveller there. And he says, I'm converting to Islam. Me, I said, why? Because they have an easy life. It's true. When you're in prison, if you convert to Islam, you have an easy life because that's the greatest gang. If you're a paedophile and a rapist, the people that are going to be immediately attacked by the majority of the inmates on the wings, you convert to Islam, you're protected. Well, up north, that don't really work, but down south it does. Because when I was in Wayland, that worked for a few individuals I saw. But when they threw me on K-Wing, John Boy went out to exercise to go and get the rest of the lads because these lads were on it. I went to go and get my dinner. Uh, there's this black dude from Leicester. I know his name because I did actually bump into him a couple of years ago. That's a story off camera I can tell you, hilarious. Mm. And then, um, yeah, and then he was just like, I know who you are, you know, you're getting it, you're getting it. It's like, yeah, yeah, all right. The screws right there listening. There's a camera outside every single cell. Uh, that's where they train block screws, HMP Stock and, okay. in Rutland. And then I went back to the cell, shut my door. I thought, this is coming, this is. John Boy's still out on exercise, getting the rest of the lads, Froggy and all them lot that we know from Nottingham. And then, bam, the knock came. When that knock came, what am I going to do, hiding myself? Where your door come? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I opened the door, 10 of them come straight in. There was a couple of them uh, at the back. When they saw my face, they said, no, we're not having it with him. And the rest of them just fucking jumped on me. Now, at the end of the day, if me and you have got a couple of our lads and we jump on someone, I know the sort of damage me and you are going to cause. But... Eight, nine lads on me, and I've got a black eye, a little knife mark to the back of my head, and a couple of stamps on my back. It weren't too bad, you know what I mean? A bit of a bust lip. I swallowed up quite a lot. And the thing is... And not, so there's, there's cameras outside the cell? Outside every single cell. And this is association, <coughs> so the screws are at the cell looking in, watching the cameras on the association. They just leave, they just leave it. 100% left them to it. Ten lads ain't going into the... They know who I am, you know what yeah. I mean? They know who I am. They knew it's coming. They, they knew, I, when they said to me, you're moving to Kiwi, I said, God, do you know do who you I think, am? Do you think the peasant might have something to do with this? <laughs> Well, one of them fucking peasants had something to do with it. It may have been one of the peasants in the House of Commons, you know what I mean? But one of them bastard peasants had something to do with it. But then, when that happened, then obviously, you know, they locked everybody up. But when the screw come round, I was like, I was like look, I'm not just going to leave myself in this situation. John Boy's there with me. He goes, listen, I'm, I'm with you. Let's just go out and start fucking doing the cons. But I'm like, John, John Boy, I know what's going to happen now. I'm going to get shipped to another jail. Then you're going to be by yourself. You keep yourself out of it. you still got to do your bird as well, you know what I mean? So when the screws were coming around to check everybody else after lunchtime association, make sure everyone's banged up, he saw my face, he opened the door and said, what's happened? I said, it doesn't matter what's happened, but you need to get me out of it. I never filed no reports, nothing like that, you know what I mean? They put me in front of a governor, asked me what happened, I was like, I'm not saying anything, but you've got fucking cameras everywhere. If I've got to answer you know your what? question for you, precisely. You know they did end up arresting these lads, you know what I mean? But because I didn't make any statements or anything, the lads just walked from it. But you've got a camera outside every fucking cell. 
So, you know, if, 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 if I did that to someone, I know what would happen to me. I'd be on that block, I'd be in a B cat, I'd be fucked. You're DNA, for you? 100%, yeah, I'd be fucked. I'd be all, I'd be all over the news, and then I've got to deal with a load more bloody militants in a high grade jail. You know what I mean? I know what would happen to me. Then that happened, then they moved me back to the induction wing, then they gave me a cleaning job because I couldn't leave the wing. Every time I left the wing, they jumped on me. You know what I mean? I went to healthcare, I couldn't have visits, I couldn't go to religious studies, I couldn't go to C class, I couldn't go to education. You know, there was one time that they had me, <laughs> I was a mentor in the Equalities and Diversity class at Stockholm. And there was a Muslim lad that went for the English teacher, picked up a chair, I took the chair out of his hand, put it down. Not one single other man stood up to protect this teacher. The only reason I stood up to protect her because she was a female, old lady. So I don't do that bullshit. Took it down, he ran out, all the screws arrested him. That's where kind of the hatred came up. That grown sings down education, kicking off of all lot. Not kicking off, just protecting a woman. It's a fucking bird for fuck's sakes, you know what I mean? Mm. It's in my DNA, this is what I do. Screw on no screw. She was a teacher in education. That's how that happened in K-Wing. So when I got to K-Wing, my name was a buzz. And then that happened at K-Wing, you know what I mean? But they already knew I was there, you know, rumours rumors were in the prison system. Oh, it takes there. two seconds. Yeah, and then people Googling Yeah, the, 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 you know, in, in prison, I, I said to one, I said to one uh, uh, governor once in Wayland, I said, in prison, you give the Muslims this uh, their, their Islamic newspaper. So they've got a newspaper that comes every week. And you know in that newspaper, it's full of people that have committed crimes against Muslims or Islam. So let's say Giza beats up a Muslim, Pakistani lad, they put it in that newspaper, that lad, will go to court, that lad will go to the jail, they all will know, and they cut out the fucking pictures and they leave it in the cells and they're waiting for these people to come into the prison. You know what I mean? It's, it's like their information sort of thing, it's their intelligence of, of what they need to do. And I think, and through their imams they do that anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was impossible when I landed in one jail yeah. for them not to have known. It's the imam. The imam must have rang to see he's coming. They I knew, tell you something about they that knew well. the day before I was coming. Because mm. the other one, the other lad said, yeah. mate, they were talking about you coming yesterday. Yeah. They knew you were coming. Yeah. Everyone knew you were coming. Yeah, 100%. So how the fuck they know I'm coming? I didn't know I was coming. Yeah. So on K Wing, after that, they moved me back to the induction wing. I was chilled out there for a little bit. I was actually all right there. People coming and going. There were Muslims that I dealt with. There were some Iranians there that weren't allowed to go to yeah, the. Yeah, but they ain't had a chance to get their numbers and their little. Yeah, little yeah, 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 100%. They, they, they were showing off on the wing. Oh, we caught him, we caught him. But I did turn around to one of the Muslims there. He was like well respected in the community. I was like, you guys give me a black eye. Lord, what I did to your religion over the years, and he was fucking fuming. He was fuming. I said, I've set you lot back years, mate. You know what I mean? A black eye ain't gonna be, you know what I mean? That's, we're not on the same level, we're different individuals. You may have your clout here in this little shitty wing, but when we hit the streets and we're back in mainland UK, you're nothing to me. You are a peasant. <laughs> <laughs> and then so, th but then from there, it got worse for me because the screws, they weren't interested. They, they did nothing to try and help me. A couple of the screws on the wings said, look, keep on the wing, don't go off the wing. You know, I was just about to visit my family. My family didn't visit me in Nottingham. My family didn't visit me in Ramby. So for a year, my family didn't visit me because I, I didn't feel it was right. My mother and my little brother See. turning up to a prison state. Uh, so they visited me once in Rumby, and then they were about to visit me in Stockholm, but that attack happened the day before, so I made out. I was just going to another prison, so don't bother coming. Didn't want them seeing me with a black eye, so it would have upset my mother too much. And then, so I didn't see him for six, seven months, and then I went to Wayland. So it's kind of like that, well, I mean, you went Wayland. It's kind of like they took me out of the cooking pot and took me in the frying pan. You know, things got worse, very worse. When I was in Wayland, same thing I usually do, link up with the right people, get there. I don't know anybody in Wayland at all. This is a North London, East London ship out, a lot of Norfolk lads, a lot of gang members. There's no one from Nottingham, I never knew anybody. A couple of lads landed from Stockholm that got there, and that's how my name got out and about there. But when I landed in Wayland, I was on the wing doing some cleaning and stuff. A couple of weeks later, there was a, there was a Jamaican dude, an English dude from London that were in for grafting a bit of cocaine or something from Jamaica. Uh, they were doing some work in the education department. They 
you know, we took a shine, same sort of people. They took a light to me, got me a job there. Started working in education, but then a few days later, it all changed there. Security came at the middle of the night. They were like, look, we've got intelligence that there's 21,000 pound hit on your head. I was like, well, really? <laughs> I was like, right. They said, have you noticed anything? I said, in the last few days, I've noticed things changing. People around me, people I'm seeing, instead of the happy friendly, you can tell when there's a buzz yeah, around, yeah. you know what I mean? And so it wasn't just a straight attack. There he is, let's jump on him. There was something definitely more sinister happening going on there. Boiling water. 100%. They were, they, they were planning something different. So, so when they found out that there was an open wing at Wayland, so basically people go there before they go to Cat D. I was locked up next to like Kenneth Noy, the Brinks Mac Gold guy. There was, some, there was a billionaire that I met there, Trevor, uh, you know, money migration. There were was, was some serious individuals on that wing. And then you got Gurumit Singh. <laughs> but on that wing, it was great because it was for the well-behaved inmates. So there weren't no Muslims. <laughs> you got the English lads, the Jamaican lads, the Sikh lads, the sand, done. And we all get on like a house on fire. We're so all So did you get attacked in Wayland? Pardon? Did you get attacked? No, they didn't get there. They didn't get oh, that okay. far. So the security came so in the middle of the night. They got the intelligence. They got the intelligence. I was like, look, lucky. I was like, I'm well behaved. I lucky. mean, look, I got in a couple of fights in Rambi to protect myself. Um, I never got charged with anything because it was I was always it was always it was it was always uh, self protection. You know what I mean? I was always protecting myself, so I never got charged. Mm -hmm. So my record was clean while I was in jail. I never grafted on the wing. I don't need money. You know what I mean? I never had to do anything like that. I had I had my shit together, mm -hmm. and I was working towards this cat D. weren't no screw boy. I was just working the system. You know what I mean? And then, so in Wayland, she says, look, we're going to put you on the open wing. The minute she, the minute she told me that, I thought, Amit, you've been waiting fucking three and a half years for this. So they put me on the open wing. And then the governor, the governor used to come down to the wing, have chats with me, walk around with the wing me every day. He was an important man, uh, you know, very important man he was. He'd been in the prison system a long time. And they used to come down to the wing, serious, serious, serious officers, SOs and all the rest of it. Uh, security governors used to come down and ask my advice about Islam. You know what I mean? They were asking, asking me about my life. What do we do in these situations? What about this? What are your thoughts? And that's that, at Wayland that happened. That also happened in Kirk Levington at Cat D where they brought officers in from other prisons to sit me down and have a chat with me about... It's like they wanted my help. You know what I mean? So that Because they don't know what to do with Islam they, in jail. They, they don't got a fucking clue what they're doing. You know what I mean? And, and the information that they need, the government aren't giving them. And so they're asking a little dickhead like me in jail. You know what I mean? I'm a prisoner and you're coming to me for advice. Because there is one, no one that can just sit and tell them the truth. Yeah. Because they wouldn't have a job. Yeah, 100%. They're all tight. Yeah. And you've seen what's yeah, Islam yeah. like in jail. It's out no, of it's terrible. Yeah, it's, it's the biggest gap. In Wayland, I used to go to the Sikh uh, chaplaincy. And then after the Sikh chaplaincy, the Jamaican chaplaincy there. So I used to go chill with the Rastafarians, of every, uh, sorry, the Rastafarian chaplaincy. So I used to chill with them. And he broke it down to be perfect. He goes, Amit, when it comes to jail, all these lads want to be part of the biggest gang. And in, 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 in jail, the biggest gang is Islam. So that's the biggest gang. But Sikhism you know I mean? couldn't be used as a gang. No, Neither no, 100%. No, 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 100%. But, but they're proud to be gangs, you know what I mean? Yeah. They want to be a gang. They are a gang. The way they've run their religion for 15, 1600 years, it is a gang. It's nothing more, nothing less. I'd actually, I think gang's too much of a good word to put on it. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, um, but yeah, but when they put me onto that Cat D wing, I thought, I'm, I'm, I'm just about there now. And it was that threat that pushed it over that edge. Because I don't think because I got on my toes, I would have got to my Cat D. It wasn't looking likely from everything from Rambi and Stockholm. I thought, I'm never getting there. Okay. And so this actually, I thought, I know it's bad, but I'm one of them geezers. You know, you can put me in, you put me right in the deep end of it, but I will try and work a way out of it. I, I don't look at every single failure as a complete failure. There's always opportunity in the bottom of the bucket shit somewhere, if you look hard enough, if you're willing to dig through it. 
So when I saw that, I thought, right, they put me on the open wing. This is where lads go to Cat D. I couldn't leave that wing because the Muslims were waiting for me outside every day. So they knew they couldn't keep me in that prison. So then they were like, it was a case of going to Cat D. I got OMU officer, the governor came down. He goes, I'm giving you a Cat D. He goes, there's no reason why you can't have a Cat D. I thought, fucking get in, my mate. Get in, my mate. You want a drink, right, my mate? I'll sort you out a couple of <laughs> <laughs> And then no, and then he saw him at Cat D. But here was the thing. So when it came to Cat D, so I'm from Nottingham. So the Cat D's in our area was HMP Sudbury, then you've got HMP North Sea Camp uh, near Skegness. I'm not going to be going to HMP North Sea Camp because that's mainly full with the majority of sex offenders. So that ain't happening. So they were, they, they were planning on sending me to Sudbury. Now, I know the issues I had in prison were quite physical and were very dangerous, you know what I mean? But in Sudbury, it'll be a different ball game. I knew what was coming. They were just going to put my name on a piece of paper. My name would be in that box every day. I knew what was coming. And so I preempted this. So I said to the governor, I was like, don't send me there. Because my name's going to be in that box every day and eventually you're going to have to throw me out until you find out I'm not doing nothing wrong to bring me back. Then I'm gonna, you're going to put me back in that system. I know precisely how it works because I've learned from other inmates as well. This is the first time I've done a big bird, but I've, I picked it up and I learned very well, very quickly what it was like. So then there was a geezer on the wing who worked in the OMU department. He was an OMU orderly. And the Trevor, the billionaire geezer, uh, he was in contact with him and then, you know, I slipped this geezer a few ounces of burn. I said, help me out a bit. Let's get me somewhere safe. And he's like, where? And this Trevor dude, he knew the jail system inside and out. So the two jails you could go, Prescoid and Wells. I said, just send me where the white lads and black lads are, no Muslims. Just send me there. You know what I mean? I'm happy there. And there was, the two, there was two presents. There was two options for me that I knew I could do the rest of my sentence in pure peace and harmony and start getting over to my family ASAP. There were two prisons. One was HMP Prescoid and Wales, which had a Cat D wing. Oh, there was HMP Kurt Levington up in the northeast. So they managed to get me to. They, they said we can't send you that far because we've got to pay for the transport. I said it's not a problem. Let me make one phone call. I'll have the money in your bank account. But they don't work like no, that. No. You know what I mean? Even though it's that easy, they didn't work no. like that. So there were two options for me that I thought that I was going to be safest, where I could get to a jail, I could finally start doing my bird in peace, I can go home to my family. So one was Kurt Levington in the northeast, and the other one was Prescoid in Wales. I knew because we had, a, we had a library orderly on that wing and he would print out the information of the prison dynamics, the statistics that build up the jail, how many numbers of this religion, how many numbers of that religion. And we li I literally sat there with a load of these boys on the wing. We went through like, that one's out the window, not a fucking chance, but these ones are good for me. I thought, this is all right. So then we had an OMU orderly, I slipped him a bit of burn, he had a conversation with, and, and luckily there was a lad from High Point that got his cat knee as well, and he's from Middlesbrough. So he when was. he was driving up his van, they picked me up on the way and they took me up to Cat D. And that's when, you know, finally settled in. I worked very well there. The, and what was your feet? Because I've been in the system. I felt yeah. the fear. I felt, yeah. I felt yeah. worried. Yeah, I know yeah, the yeah. anxiousness yeah. feeling. Of when, when, you, I landed, you're just waiting. When, when I landed in Cat D, it was quite early in the morning. There was some, there was some influential officers there that knew I was coming. And they knew about my history. I, I cried. I'm I did. I'm <laughs> fucking welling up now. Did I it? did cry when I got there because I was like, finally, I'm start sorting myself out now and getting home. And they were like, don't worry, lad, we'll and take care of you. Well, and I was safe, yeah, because the governor of Wayland had to have multiple conversations with prisoners throughout the country to see if they'd have me. Yeah, and yeah, a lot of, of them didn't. And they I think the, the number one governor at Kurt Lemton says no, but then the security governor says, he was like an ex-Royal Marine, says, yeah, bring him here, we'll take care of him. So then I got to Kurt Lemton, started getting on. The governor's got this big mansion there. They, they approached me, Amit, can you help us out, help us clean it and stuff? I thought, same as what I usually do. You're putting me in front of the right person, that'll get me ahead. And that, that, that situation worked perfectly. I'll give you an example. Every time I got my rottle, release on temporary license, the day release, all the, all the time where you go home for four or five days, 
probation in Nottingham didn't support it. They wouldn't have it. He's not coming home. But because I had that relationship with the governors, the governor used to ring him up and says, unless you give me evidence that he's up to something, then I'm sending him home. So it worked. And so you put yourself in front of the right people, mm. they remember you and they, you know. And they're, they're probably been... just good people. Yeah, 100%. They were good people. And they understand the, the Northeast are the best people I've ever met in my life in this whole country. You know I what I mean? Uh, as an area. Newcastle. As an area. But not really. That, that's Yarm, North Ollerton, Darlington, County, them sort of areas. You know what I mean? Okay. But yeah, but, but you can go as far as Newcastle. Some I love Newcastle. That. But yeah, but they're absolutely brilliant. And then, so when I was in there, I was, I was quite pally with like high-ranking officers there, all the lads on the wing. When the lads on the wing were struggling, they needed help. I could go to the governors and say, you need some help. And then they'd be down on that wing straight away, helping people out. So, you know, tit for tat, it worked for me. And then, and then basically I was working for the prison. You got jobs outside the jail. I was driving people to work and back. You know, you can have your mobile there, you can have your own car there, but there comes a point where you got to get your own job. I used to say to the governors, I've never had a fucking job in my whole life, you know what I mean? I've worked the old couple of bits here, there and everywhere, but, you know, nothing straight. They're like, you've got to get a job. And then a friend of mine, Daryl French, he was working at um, a very famous hotel there. Now, um, it's a very influential family that own it, so he got me a job there. So I was housekeeping. But then the, the family that own it, I'm not going to start going into names and stuff because they're probably not going to want me really putting their names out there and all that on the Tommy Robinson podcast. But the family that owned it, uh, the daughter of the owner, uh, she, she took, took a bit of a shine to me. The girls in the house, house, housekeeping department, they took a bit of a shine to me. Used to get on with them really well. And when I came home and I told my daddy who I was working for, he was like, bloody hell, do you know who that family are? I did a bit of Googling, a bit of research. And, you know, from them, a business idea came. You know, I, I used to talk to a few people there and I started walking the streets of Middlesbrough, Stockton on Tees, looking at estate agents' windows, seeing houses for like 20, 25,000 pounds. I was like, bloody hell. When I go home, I got a little bit put away. And so when I did finally leave Cat D after a year and a half, I started investing in the houses. I mean, I haven't got a lot, but it's getting there. We're still building, you know what I mean? Like I said, I'm, I'm a relentless man, so I will get to where I want to be. But that all came from... You say you haven't got, you've got, you've got quite a yeah, portfolio and, of properties yeah, now. And, and that, that came from being in the northeast, being at the right place at the right time, because if it wasn't for okay, that, what else would I be up to right now? I, I, I don't even know where I'd be. I could, yeah, be yeah. I could be in a jail on a bigger sentence somewhere. Yeah. I've got a feeling I would be, to be honest with you. Like, my uncle said to me when I get home, he goes, there's two things you can be proud of. So what's that? He goes, number one, you're not a grass. Number two, you're just broken in for the big bird now. So fuck off, I'm not coming <laughs> back now. But, but yeah, because you put me in front of that family and you put me in that environment and you put me in front of these amazing ladies that I look, used to look at like my mother's. So then when I left jail, I walked into it and we're still building, but here we go, you know what I mean? And to tell you the truth, I think I fucking deserve it. <laughs> you know what I mean, 100%. So yeah, it's going well, mate, it's going well. The family live a better life, I live a better life. And now I'm getting married you're in getting September. Married, bro. I'm getting married. You're you know getting married. I mean? Everything. New how, many, house how, many people, how many people going to your wedding? Car, fact, about 400. 400? <laughs> yeah. What? Remember you as well. Make sure you're back around for that as well. I'm you know coming, I mean? bro. Yeah. But yeah. it's going to be a great time. It's a really good wedding. I mean, I've been waiting all my life for this. I mean, recently. Um, you're I'm, very happy with yeah, your partner. Yeah, you mate, seem very, very You know happy. what? I've, I've, I've dealt with so much dog shit in my life. It's nice to deal with someone so incredible so much. You know what I mean? She's brilliant. I couldn't have written a better script. I mean, she's. she's I mean, you've met. Well, you spoke to Priya. She's out there. She, my missus is Cockney, so people know what Cockneys are like. Yeah, you've met Priya. You spoke to her. I love her to death. You know what I mean? She's my heart. She's my soul. Sometimes I may not come across it, but she really is. And now we've got the wedding coming. It's all booked. It's all there. We're going to have a good party, and then hopefully the rest is history. Now, but you know, 
So a, you're in a positive place now, mate. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Can I get uh, you involved again? No, you know what, Tommy? From where, <laughs> that, you know, you know Shall what? We go for I'm, 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 I'm game as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm as game as a Yankee cop. From where we come from, with what we've done, and how much I've had to watch my back, and what I've gone for. I am always prepared, you know what I mean? I say to my missus when we're at home, make sure that door's locked. You know, make sure them curtains are open, make sure you like that. I'm always ready and prepared. And if I've ever got to hit the streets again, I will hit the streets again. And this time, you're dealing with a whole different group of well, Menacing <laughs> Sing round two, coming Definitely. soon. We'll see how it goes, we'll see English how it goes. English Defence League reunion. Ah, we'll see how it goes, my mate. We'll see how it goes, yeah. We'll see how it goes, but I'm always up for it. Carry on watching for more interesting guests. I'll talk to anyone. I'll debate anyone. I'll hear anyone's story. If you want to help me along that way, it's not free. I need your support. If you can support my family, that gives me my peace of mind. It means I can continue to do the work I do. You can do so at www.supporttommy.com. I appreciate every bit of support as do my children, gives me the ability to fly them out here to see me so I can stay in constant contact with them. I'm de-platformed and I'm censored, so I need you. I need you to share this content. Make sure you stay tuned for upcoming weekly guests, interesting guests, exciting guests. I'm Tom Robson, and this has been my podcast, Silenced.